This is the season of joy. Food, festivities, gift giving. It's all good. And to remind us of that, we have these large gifts behind me on the platform. We, we have children opening gifts as part of the Advent candle lighting on Sunday morning, reminding us that this is a time of giving. So why in this season of joy and gift giving are our Advent sermons focused on fear? Did you wonder about that? Have we considered that fear also is a gift from God? A gift given by God, and not just any kind of gift, a good gift from God. Many of us have, in our own experience, discovered that fear has kept us out of all sorts of troubles. And for some of us, fear has even kept us from doing something morally or legally wrong. Our fear of consequences, our fear of punishment has helped us make better choices. I remember in grade seven, our school principal had a particular paddle that inflicted great pain. And I'm sure that kept me out of all kinds of trouble. I know that distracted driving is exceedingly dangerous, and I'd like to think that I'm a good and careful driver, but really what keeps me from touching my phone behind the wheel is the fear of the consequences, the fine, the demerits. We also know that fear can be not so good. It, it can hold a person back from doing something that would ultimately be good or, or beneficial. Fear can shut the door to opportunity. Maybe we'll stay in a dead-end job because we're afraid of change or we're afraid that in a new job we might fail. Maybe we don't talk to a person that we're attracted to because, well, we might end up getting rejected. Fear can be an enemy. It can be a friend, and it can go the other way. It depends on the circumstances and the choices that shape our lives. Look at this picture on the screen. Wouldn't you love to be on this beach today? Lovely beach, nice surf. No people, because there's a warning about sharks. There's a shark that's been spotted. But here's a woman whose feet are in the water, just barely, but her feet are in the water, and she's thinking about it. She's weighing her options. There could be a shark nearby, but maybe that shark's 10 kilometers away. How much am I willing to risk? Yes, she feels some fear. Is that fear her friend? Or is that fear her enemy? Depends on where the shark is. If the shark is 10 kilometers away, then it's her enemy because it's keeping her from enjoying a swim in a beach that she's got all to herself. If that shark's still nearby, that fear is her friend. Or this, this woman's worried about making an investment. She's got an opportunity to invest some money. She could make a lot of money, and of course she could lose it all. What should she do? Look at the paper in her hand. It's maybe not as easy to see, but it's been open and closed and wrapped and it's worn. The paper's exhausted from her looking at it so often. She doesn't know what to do. She's been fretting. Now, whether or not this is a good investment, we don't know. Her fears have paralyzed her. Her fears at this point may be her enemy. 
Our theme during this Advent is fear not. These two words are taken straight from the mouths of the angels, God's messengers. Three times during our Advent worship, we hear them uttered. Gabriel says this to Mary. Another angel says it to Joseph. One angel who's part of an angelic choir says it to the shepherds. Fear not. Do we need to hear that from God today? Do you and I need to hear God say, fear not? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, teach us today to follow you with the courage that overcomes our fears, fears that might incline us to turn slightly away from you. Please have mercy on us this morning, no matter where our fears come from. Amen. In our exploration of these stories, we're asking two questions this morning. Why not be afraid? And the second question is, what does it look like for us to not be afraid? In Luke's gospel, the angel Gabriel says to Mary, do not be afraid. Gabriel was calling Mary to embrace God's plan for her. Even though everybody around her would have thought that that plan was impossible and outlandish. And frankly, in that culture, it even sounded rather pagan. But we're reminded by Mary's story that we are called to put aside our natural fears and to trust God's plans for us, even when they might not feel immediately comfortable. So let's read Joseph's story. It's in Matthew chapter 1. I'm going to read it from the, the Pew Bible that we have. And if you want to follow it, it's on page 733. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, Joseph, son of David. The angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this occurred to fulfill what the Lord's message through his prophet was, Look! The virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which is God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. Now, our starting point is the angelic command, do not be afraid. So what might have been Joseph's fears? He had a career, he was getting ready to be married, he was planning to have a family, and it all looked good. Is it possible, though, that he might have been afraid of this change in his life? Was he afraid of getting married, having a family? Did he wonder if he had what it took to be a husband and a father? I wouldn't be surprised, because I think most of us as men getting married had our fears. Do I have what it takes? Will I be a good husband? Will I be a good father? But that's not Joseph's problem here. Mary 
was his problem. He had learned that Mary was pregnant. It doesn't look like he heard this from Mary, but rather that someone else told him. Someone noticed that she was pregnant and he found out, which made it maybe an even more devastating blow. Joseph, Joseph was faced with a pregnant fiancé, and he knew that he wasn't the father. In that culture, a, a couple could be engaged for as long as a year. And during that time, they were to have no physical intimacy between them at all. In Galilee, where Joseph was living, an engaged man and woman could not be alone together at all. Period. Full stop. There was always someone there. In Judea, farther south, it was a little more relaxed. But that was still the rule. No intimacy. Joseph had been happily looking forward to his wedding when, with no warning, Mary has been found with child. She's been discovered. She's pregnant. Can you imagine what that felt like for Joseph? Well, let's try, and let's work with what the Gospel of Matthew tells us in verse 20. Verse 20 says, Joseph considered this. Sounds as if he's just calmly sorting out his options. Where should I go for lunch after church today, I wonder? Hmm, I don't know. No, we need to consider that the word here, translated considered, is a loaded word. We need to go back to the Greek for just a moment. This is a transliteration of a, a Greek word that we would pronounce enthumos in English letters. It's a combination of the word in, in, and thumos, anger. In anger, Joseph is thinking about these things. It's a word, thumos, that appears two other times in the gospel. The first time it appears, it describes Herod's rage when he finds out that the wise men have tricked him. And in his rage, he determines to kill all the infants in Bethlehem. The other time the word appears is when Jesus does a miracle in Nazareth on the Sabbath. And the crowd is so thumos, so angry, that they determine to stone him or to cast him off a cliff and then stone him. They're going to kill him. That's how angry they were. In his anger, Joseph is considering his options. And how could he not be angry? He feels hurt. He feels betrayed. He feels shamed. Something has been stolen from him. Now, the art portraying the angel's visit often has Joseph sitting in a chair, uh, which I don't find at all surprising. Uh, do, we, do we have that picture of, of yeah, there he is, sitting in a chair with an angel leaning on his shoulder having a conversation. Joseph was angry and hurt and upset, but I don't think he was sleeping well at night. I think he would try to go to sleep, he'd try to lie down, but like us, many of us, in our own experience, he'd get up again, because all he's doing is tossing and turning and worrying and thinking and 
I might as well get up. I'm not sleeping. So then he paces the floor and he paces back and forth trying to figure these things out. What am I going to do? How will I do it? And then finally, like us, he gets so tired, he sits down in a chair. But he's still thinking, what should I do? But now he's so tired, he falls asleep sitting in the chair. It's not a deep sleep and it's not going to last long. But in that sleep, an angel appears to him in a dream. And the angel says, fear not. Fear not. He's got a multitude of reasons to be afraid. For starters, if he's like us, he's afraid of his own anger. When you get angry, aren't you just a little bit afraid of what you might do or say in that anger? He's got his anger to be afraid of. He's also got Mary. Right now, does he have any reason to trust her? Is he not maybe afraid that he'll never be able to trust her? And how do you build a marriage on that foundation? Where's he going to go with that? Or maybe he's afraid of what other people are going to say about him, what other people are thinking about him, about his reputation. No matter what he does next, his reputation will be set. His life will never be the same. Well, what were his options? Matthew tells us that Joseph was a just man or a righteous man. Now, when we hear that word, we usually think of someone who lives his life in compliance with the law. In this case, the law is the law of the Old Testament. So we think, okay, he's a just man. He will do what the law commands. Well, the bottom line on that law is that she should be executed, stoned. You can look it up in Deuteronomy chapter 22. Uh, That's the law. But Joseph wanted no part of that law. So he chose to divorce her. But to do it quietly, which literally means he wasn't going to take her to court. He could do that. He could take her before the elders of the village, before the leadership, and declare that what she had done was wrong and he wanted to divorce her. But he said, no, I'll divorce her quietly, secretly. And I'll give the dowry back to the father. And that was his decision. That was his choice. But is that what he wanted? Do you think that's what he wanted to do? What does the angel say to him? Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. I think he did want Mary to be his wife, even pregnant Mary to be his wife. But he's afraid. And that fear will paralyze him, will keep him from doing what he wants to do to marry her. So the angel says, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. How helpful is that? Can you just turn off fear? Does fear just go away because you want it to? Not if it's a large fear, it doesn't. They're pretty tenacious. But we can start listening more to God and less to the fear. This, I believe, is the example that Joseph sets for us. 
He chooses to listen to God more than he listens to his fear. He listened to God speaking to him through an angel, and he took Mary to be his wife. He was afraid, but he did the job that God had given him to do. He's getting married. Now, you can hardly blame Joseph for being afraid of what the people were saying. This was a culture that was an honor-based culture. And if someone harmed you, you would publicly get even with them. That's why you have the uh, cities of refuge established around Israel for that. What is he going to do? And what are people going to say about it? What's going to happen to his reputation? What, what was going on, probably? There were some who were saying that Joseph really was the father of Mary, that he was the guy that couldn't wait until the wedding night, that he was the guy that couldn't control his own desires, the guy who's a rule breaker. Certainly there would have been people saying that. Mary's pregnant, it was Joseph. That's a reputation that would stick to him the rest of his life. The rule breaker. Others might say that Joseph wasn't the father, but that he was a weak man who could be taken advantage of. Someone had violated his wife-to-be. And what does he do? Nothing. That reputation would also stick to him. And there would be people who would try, because of that reputation, to take advantage of him. They would hire him to do work and then not pay him. Or they'd only pay him part of it because he's a weak man. In the face of all this, the angel says, fear not. But that doesn't mean that his fears were unreasonable. Fear is often the most appropriate response. However, in this case, the fear was his enemy. And Joseph needed to defeat it. The enemy would keep him from the most wonderful opportunity that any man in human history has ever been given. He is going to care for and raise the Messiah, the one who came to save us from our sins. No human male has ever had such an opportunity. And Joseph managed to overcome his fear and to do his job. He took Mary as his wife. He raised Jesus as his son. He embraced God's plan. This is where we can begin to personally engage the story of Mary and Joseph and look at our own fears. Are our fears our friend? Or are they our enemy? Are they intent on keeping us from embracing God's plan for us? God's good plan? Now, we've been saying for months, maybe over a year now, that, that God's plan for our church is that we be disciples, and as disciples, we help other people become disciples. Being a disciple means that we're followers of Jesus. Being disciples mean that we know Jesus personally, and that's God's plan for us. Being a disciple, as Graham Kedrick said it in a wonderful song, is the most wonderful opportunity we have. Knowing Jesus, knowing you, there is no greater thing. You're my all. You're the best. 
You're my joy, my righteousness, and I love you, Lord. To know Jesus and to follow him is a wonderful opportunity. But fear can be an enemy that tries to hold us back from that, that tries to keep us from following Jesus. We're living in an increasingly post-Christian culture. We may fear that identification as a follower of Jesus Christ might have negative consequences. Let me ask you a simple question. At any time in recent weeks, have you been almost embarrassed to say to somebody that you were at church doing something? Or that you go to a certain church? Has anyone asked you, what are you doing this weekend? And you were a little bit shy about saying, well, I'm, I'm going to church. You know what? I don't think it's ever been easy. I think we've always been a little fearful. In grade seven, which is more than 60 years ago, I lived in the heart of the Bible Belt. I lived in Oklahoma. I lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma. That is the belt buckle on the Bible Belt. And everybody went to church. Whole neighborhood, everybody went to church. You know what? At grade seven, I discovered that I was afraid to identify myself to my friends and peers as a Christian. Why? Because I knew down inside that being a Christian meant I was different. And I didn't like that. I was afraid of being different, of not fitting in. This fear is our very worst enemy. This fear if it's allowed to run its course. I'm saying this very carefully. I don't want to sound like I'm... I, I'm trying to be truthful and careful. This fear of people, if allowed to run its course, might result in us standing before the king one day at the end of time. And the king saying to us, and I quote this from Scripture, I never knew you. There aren't four worse words that anyone would ever hear than to hear Jesus say, I never knew you. Don't let that fear that we carry inside be our enemy. Don't be afraid to be a disciple and a follower of Christ. It can be hard, and it, and it can be confusing, <laughs> and, and uh, we're going to experience some fear. And Joseph shows us the way. Did you know that Joseph was the first patron saint of Canada? I think the Pope recognized him as, a, as the uh, patron saint of Canada in 1634. I think some uh, French missionaries declared him the patron saint of Canada in 1620-something. Uh, it's natural to be afraid. Joseph was afraid. Fear can be a friend. 
it can be an enemy holding us back from opportunities. We need God's help in sorting out our fears. Is this fear my friend? Is it my enemy? Joseph did that by listening to God's messenger who said, fear not. I'm confident that if we ask God for help, of this I am very confident, if we ask God for help, God, I've got these fears, I can't sort them out. I, I don't know if they're my friend, I don't know if they're enemy, I don't know what to do with them, I don't know if they're real fears. I don't know what to do. If you come to God that way, he will send you a messenger. It might even be an angel. It might be your husband or wife. It might be one of your children. It might be a parent. It might be a friend. It might be something you read in a book. It might be something you hear on the radio. God has no limit to the ways he can speak to you. And if you want him to speak and you're willing to listen, I believe he will speak like he spoke to Joseph. Don't be afraid to take Mary. Don't be afraid to do that thing that in your heart you really want to do. Don't be afraid. Let us do the same. May the Lord help us not to be afraid of who we are. We are followers of the one who is the way, the truth, the life. Let us not be afraid. Let us not be afraid to identify ourselves as members of the body of Christ, his church, no matter what the denominational label is on it or where it's located. We're part of God's family. And may the Lord help us to not be afraid of the people that he wants to make us into. Because what God wants to make us into is a person who looks like his son, Jesus. Let us not be afraid of God's transforming work in our lives. Let us pray. Lord, we are fearful by nature. And there is much in our lives that makes us afraid. And sometimes that's a good thing. It's a gift from you because it warns us and challenges us to be cautious or careful or to not do something because it would be hurtful. But also, Lord, it can be an enemy, especially when it comes to our spiritual walk with you. There are so many ways that fear would be our enemy to keep us from giving ourselves wholly, unreservedly to you. Help us to conquer that fear and to boldly become the people individually and collectively as a church that you want us to be. For we ask it in your name. Amen.